hello, and welcome to Farm Rules, the podcast where we discuss the rules and regulations required to run a small farm. I'm Miriam, and I'm the host. I am a regulatory specialist in the medical device industry, so I'm learning all about the, these rules as I'm creating these podcasts. As a note, the advice I give in this podcast is meant as a starting point for your research into the local rules and regulations. These vary wildly from state to state and even between neighboring towns, and as we've found, even within subdivisions of those towns. Talk to your local authorities when you have questions about the specifics. Many are glad to help. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the rules and regulations surrounding shell eggs. And it was a doozy to research. I was expecting it to be simple. Shell eggs, whole food, how much can people actually interfere with it? Turns out there's a lot of problems with shell eggs because they are considered a potentially hazardous food. My first question was, who actually regulates shell eggs at a federal level? Is it the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration? Or is it the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture? And it turns out it's a little bit of both. The FDA regulates whole eggs that are in their shell, and the USDA regulates egg products. But the good thing is we're really only dealing with the federal level if we have 3,000 birds or more, which is a lot more than most small producers are keeping on their farms. At the same time, why does the federal level even care about eggs? This seems a little suspect to me. It turns out that because shell eggs have a porous nature, they are susceptible to contamination from bacteria such as salmonella. Therefore, they actually are considered a potentially hazardous food for food producers. In 2010, the FDA posted a very wide-scale voluntary recall because of contamination of shell eggs with salmonella. While this happened at very large-scale poultry operations, we still need to consider the cleaning and sanitization of eggs for our small-scale operations. The reason that the federal level doesn't worry about the small-scale operations is that we don't constitute a large enough portion of the egg producers for it to be a concern of national health. So luckily for most of us, we only have to deal with state rules and regulations. They give us guidance on everything from if the producer must be licensed, if the producer must be inspected, if you have to candle your eggs, if you have to declare the size of your egg, if your curtain may be reused, where you're allowed to sell your eggs with the licenses you have, and if there's any specific cleaning and handling requirements. If you look at the associated Farm Rules blog post to this podcast, I've put a link to an incredibly great resource of the National Egg Regulatory Officials state listings, which gives you links directly to the rules of that state. As I've said before, if you have any questions about those rules, reach out to your local agriculture commission or for um, extension community extension office, um, sometimes even the state itself, because they will be helpful in interpreting those rules for you. 
While not all states require licensing and inspection, some do offer voluntary programs that allow you to provide additional label on your product information, indicating that your farm meets certain high quality standards, which are verified by periodic visits by inspectors. In my hometown of New Hampshire, One of the things that I think is kind of funny about how I do these podcasts is that I generally go from the federal level to the state level to the local level. But in reality, for most of us us small farms, we really need to start at the bottom. We need to make sure that we are allowed to do the activity that we want to do before we start investing time and energy into looking into if we have to do a license or if we have to register or if we have to have inspections. There's no point in even going down this path if we're not allowed to sell our eggs to the public. So if you look at the accompanying blog post, I actually included a couple examples of zoning ordinances that I have looked up. Um, One is in North Carolina, I believe, and one is in New Hampshire. And one of the zoning ordinances allows you to keep hens, but only for personal consumption. You're not allowed to sell anything produced by your chickens, including the manure. Another example is actually the next town over from me that you're allowed to have chickens, but you can't have a stand on your property. You can sell the eggs, but just not at home. So now that we've gone over some of the different levels that you have to investigate for your research, I'm going to go over some of the high-level topics that came up again and again as I was researching this topic. Um, And we're going to start with something that is near and dear to my heart because I do it so much for medical devices and I am convinced that no one actually reads my labels. Um, So labels help your customers identify what they are purchasing from you but can also help in the investigation in case something goes wrong. Misbranding what you're selling is a significant concern at the federal level. Although most small farms will not meet the FDA's minimum 3,000 birds, many states have adopted the minimum labeling requirements for labeling set out by the federal agencies. The Fair Packaging Act was implemented by the FDA to protect consumers. It requires that product labels aimed at consumers state the identity of the product, for example, eggs, the name and place of business of the manufacturer, packer, or distributor, your farm or distributor's name, and the net quantity of the contents. States have adopted many of these labeling requirements and and have added their own requirements. Of note, some information on the labels must meet a minimum size requirement. If you go to the blog post for this podcast, I have linked to Nero's um, spreadsheet of labeling requirements by state, but you probably want to still double check those requirements against your state's laws in case something has changed in the meantime before you commit to a carton design. Some of the requirements that show up on that list by Nero are grade, things like grade A, grade AA, grade B, the size of the egg, which is usually defined by the weight of a dozen eggs in the carton, the name and address of the packer or distributor, the registration number if your state requires it, or the number issued to you by the USDA if you have a large enough flock, the date of pack might be required, 
the sell-by date might be a requirement. Usually it's one or the other if it is required. Nutritional labeling, you know, the thing that tells you how many calories, how much cholesterol. Safe handling instructions, which usually comes down to um, <laughs> the, the simple statement of refrigerate these eggs. The identity statement and the quantity statement. Also of note, there's generally a requirement that the egg carton say the word fresh on it to indicate that it is fresh egg, unadulterated. As we've gone over a couple times in this episode, eggs are a potentially hazardous substance and should be handled a specific way to keep them safe for consumers. So from a safety standpoint, the eggs should be cleaned, either washed or cleaned with a cleaner as soon as possible after collection. This can be done with a dry method, like an egg brush for slightly dirty eggs, but any instruments used for dry cleaning should be sanitized in between cleanings. Really dirty eggs can be cleaned with an approved mild detergent. Um, and there's a bunch of the ingredients that I have found listed in the blog post. Um, so keep in mind that eggshells are porous and can absorb substances into the shell, including anything that's within your wash water. Therefore, anything used to clean the eggs can be considered a food additive. And in addition, eggs should not be allowed to sit in wash water because wash water might contain microorganisms from other eggs within the batch. Um, most states also follow the FDA requirements that shell eggs held for retail sale must be refrigerated or cooled at a temperature below 45 degrees Fahrenheit. This temperature must be maintained during storage, transportation, and at the point of sale. So if you're selling them at a farm stand or at a farmer's market, the egg carton should really be kept in a cooler to keep those eggs at the right temperature. In addition, eggs should really not be stored with any strong smelling food because the egg yolk and element absorb odors and flavors while still in the shell. And that's not really desirable to your customers. In closing, looking into the rules and regulations surrounding shell eggs made my head spin. It was sometimes difficult to untangle which federal requirements had been incorporated into a state's laws versus the laws that state had put into place for their small scale producers. So for example, in New Hampshire, you have the homesteader exception, which means that if you are making less than $20,000 a year and you're only selling at your own farm, at farmer's markets, at a small retail store, um, you may not have to follow a lot of the additional requirements put in place. That changes as soon as you start making over $20,000 a year or start trying to sell to establishments like restaurants. So I hope you found some valuable information within this podcast episode. Um, my future installment will be about talking, selling live chickens and chicken for meat. 
Um, if there's any small farm topics you would like me to cover from a rules and regulations standpoint, please let me know. If you are a regulator and would love to talk to me about what is required in your state or how things were established, I would love to have you on the podcast to discuss how this process works. So please subscribe to this podcast if you would like to hear future installments. I can be found on Instagram at some kind of farm and on YouTube at some kind of farm. Um, I hope to interact with some of you there.